Exodus chapter 3, and we'll start reading at verse number 13, and for you that are not familiar with the book of Exodus, the third chapter covers the experience Moses with the Lord on the backside of the desert at the burning bush that was not consumed. What a time that must have been. And in the 13th verse, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? You can underscore that if you write in your Bibles. What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. For just a brief insight, his name from I am that I am is used over 6,000 times in Holy Writ. The derivative of I am that I am is Jehovah, Shalma, Yah. It covers everything that God is for you and I. Whatever you have need of, God is the supply. He is the all in all. He's everything that you will ever have need of. That's good. And then we read on. He said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And God said unto Moses, moreover, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. And this is my name forever. And this is my memorial. I want to preach for just a little while on this subject. God has a memorial. He erected it. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 Jesus speaking, he said, Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And in the concourse, in the course of him stating that, because broad is the way, most of humanity perishes without God. It would seem that God leaves them all alone, but nothing is further from the truth. 
God erected this memorial on the broad highway that leads to man's destruction. And God is saying, why will you die? It's not the will of God that any should perish, but that all have everlasting life. He come, gave his life a ransom that we might be saved. Thank God I look across the congregation of people, saved people for the most part. Now, I don't know everybody. You might be able to look around and say, oh, there, there says so-and-so. <laughs> I'm not so sure about them. I am sure about one thing, the love of God. He is not willing that any should perish. You know, if I was God, I would look down on humanity we wouldn't have no Muslim problem. I'd just smash them like a bug <laughs> and shout victory while doing it. <laughs> but God loves the Muslim as much the same as he loves you. God is not partial in his love. His love is universal. Whosoever will can be saved. We look down on the blight of the drugs in our culture and worldwide and think, well, if I was God, we wouldn't have no drug problem at all. That would eliminate most of this congregation. If you can't say amen, say oh me. Just think, God loves you. He may not and doesn't love your sin but he's got the antidote the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness <laughs> I was once a sinner the chiefest I testified it probably here but being I don't have a memory of anything yesterday Thank God for the mercy of God that he's revealed to me in jail and prison 13 times. You know after three strikes, you're out, but not with God. Thank God his grace is sufficient. He come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I must put an explanation mark. 
I hadn't been in prison since I got born again and delivered out of prison. I have not been back. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are made brand new. I'm reminded of an article in the Enquirer. I don't even know whether they publish the Enquirer anymore, but when I was growing up, that was the Smut Magazine <laughs> at the checkout counter at every grocery store. And as we were checking out, there was a picture of Raquel Welch and she was getting married for the seventh time. And in big, broad letters on the front of the magazine were these words, I won't hold him long. She had told the priest that was performing the ceremony of her getting married for the seventh time, Miss Welch said, let's just delete that part about the holding and loving. She said, because I probably won't hold him very long. I'm planning on not holding you very long. But we will look at the memorial that God erected on the broad highway to man's destruction The revelation that God does not want anybody to perish. That's not saying that they don't. There's more perishing and going to hell than going to heaven. I like the way y'all shouting on that. We look at that memorial in a New Testament setting. We find it, the foundation of that memorial that God erected on the broad highway in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Who loved the world? God does. He loves the Muslim. He loves the communist. He loves the Democrat. He loves the Socialist. He loves the Republican. And he loves him and ain't nothing. And Satan lies to most of humanity pointing out the fact that you are nothing. But you are special to God. So special that he bankrupt heaven to redeem you. God loves you. For God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. 
but have everlasting life. God loves you. Sitting in this house today, no matter what you've done yesterday, no matter where you were involved last night, if you turn to God, His love is available. God erected it at the onset of creation. The memorial of God Himself stands on the middle of a broad highway that declares God loves you. The love of God shed abroad in our hearts. I, like many of you, I avoided the memorial of God, the love of God, for a lot of years. But at the age of 24, bound for prison, I got born again, experienced the love of God for myself. I thank God for all the testimonies of others that have experienced the love of God, but nothing so special to me like me. I experienced it for myself. I don't have a secondhand testimony. First, God revealed his love to me. The memorial continues in John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was God. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The memorial is the incarnation of the Son of God. God left the throne. Took upon himself a body of flesh like yours and mine. Dwelt among us for 33 plus years. And bore our sin in his body. Listen to me. We jump forward and often bypass the incarnation. Most Christians have never taught of the incarnation. That God took upon himself a body of flesh. Fully God but fully man. Somebody asked me to explain that. I said, well, you got to remember, I didn't even have a high school education when I went to prison at age 24. (laughs) And you're wanting me to explain to you the mystery of the God in the flesh? I said, well, I do have an answer. Remember, you can answer every question rightly if you stay in the book. Let me give you an example. Jesus, with his disciples, got on board a ship, a boat, and said, let us go unto the other side. 
And Jesus, being fully man, was wore out. Uh, I don't know if you understand my southern slang. That means he was tarred. He laid down in the stern of the ship and went sound asleep as men must do. Well, some of you look quizzical. Do you mean a man got to sleep? Yeah, you got to sleep. And while he's asleep, the devil thought. I like his plans always foiled. It's God's business to floor the plan of Satan. And so the devil planned, and a storm came, a mighty wind, kicked up the sea, it was rough. Depending on whose commentary you read, waves are between 9 and 12 foot tall. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat before with 12-foot seas. I was on the Aldon, that's a shrimp boat, 65 feet long, 14 feet wide, and we were in a terrible storm. <laughs> in so bad, the captain got on the life jacket. They pass out life jackets to the crew, and mine had a big rat hole in it. And I told the deckhand I was with, I said, I'm not putting on the life jacket. He said, are you an idiot? The slang for that is, are you dummy? The boat's going down. I said, have you looked on the fathometer? We're in 14 feet of water. The mass on the Aldon shrimp boat was 38 feet high. I said, the boat may go down. I'm going up the mass. I'm not getting overboard with all them sharks and all that other thing out there, some trying to eat me. The deckhand couldn't be encouraged. He said, me, you'll get struck by lightning. I said, I'd rather die frying <laughs> than be drug around over the ocean by various sized sharks, piece by piece. Thank God for God's grace. He makes a way. Jesus woke up from the sleep as a man fully God, and walked to the bow of the ship, raised his hands, and spoke to the wind. A man can't do that. And then he spoke to the wave. A man can't do that. We can cuss the wind. We can cuss the wave. That's what humanity does. Jesus was fully man but fully God. And as Jesus, he was tired. 
But as God, he spoke to the wind and said, Lay down. Peace. The wave laid down. The wind ceased. And a great calm. I'm telling you, thank be unto God for the memorial of God. He so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Jesus made his debut in the incarnation. Fully man, but fully God. We continue on the memorial that God laid. We arrive to Calvary. You will have to pardon me. Thank God it's a low enough pulpit I can look over it. And still got enough room to hide if you start throwing stuff. I don't need no help. <laughs> Sister Talbert would counter that and say he needs lots of help. Think about it. The memorial that God erected on the broad highway. First was his love. Second was the incarnation. Jesus made his debut in human history. Fully man, but fully God. And we arrive to the next aspect of the memorial that God erected. Calvary, Jesus the man, he's beaten beyond description, he's nailed to the rugged cross, they lift that cross and drop it into the hole dug for the foot of the cross. The agonizing pain. We hear the lamentation of Jesus on that cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? His face, his chin dropped down to his chest. And he died. Looked like hell had won. There's no hope for any of us to be saved. It all ended at the cross. <laughs> Don't shout too loud, devil. Not possible that death could hold him. The grave couldn't handle him. The third day he got up triumphant over sin, death, and the grave, declaring, because I live, you shall live also. Thanks be unto God through Christ. I've been delivered. I've been saved. I'm not ever going to die. 
I have to look in the mirror every day and remind myself. Oh, I like the way y'all shouting. <laughs> Somebody here when I come in said, "My, you look good." I said, "Yeah, ain't much work for the mortician to do when I get there." <laughs> if Jesus tarries long enough, there is a time appointed, sometime in the future. That every member of Adam's race is appointed unto death. And I don't want to leave you on a sad note. You know, boo-hoo, we're going to die. (laughs) Boo-hoo. If that's all you dwell on, you don't got much of a life. That's southern slang for you don't have no life at all. But like Jesus died on the cross, I'm going to die. I hope it ain't on the cross. I hope it ain't on the shrimp boat's mass up in the air. I like to die at home. And Judy hovering around over me, uh, telling me sweet platitudes. I'd be kind of scared for her if she was calling the insurance company to see how much she's going to get. That would lead me to question her undying love. Uh, I see some of y'all looking around at your spouse. Would you do that? If they ain't right with God, they can't be right with you. If they ain't right with God, they're looking for the world to help them out. Thanks be unto God. I got things right with God. Sister Tiber got things right with God. And Jesus is holding our hand. And if we have to go by the way of the grave, praise God, he kicked the other end open and made it a pleasant place to await resurrection morning. I'm just passing the night. And I want to tell you something. It may happen beforehand, I've been praying, that snake bites and everything else, and the Lord just renew me and refresh me and give me the body of a 50-year-old man. Because after 50, that's when we went over the waterfall. I I see you gray-haired fellers looking around and saying, that's right. (laughs) The memorial of God is erected. Calvary is involved in that memorial. Jehovah, Yah, the eternal God, the answer to every problem of humanity. The problem of death is all answered at Calvary. Amen. 
But let me submit here that we sometimes put a period where God put a comma. We've almost become Catholic in the sense that we want Jesus kept on the cross. We're going to carry a crucifix around with him on it. I'm going to tell you, that cross rotted away. Jesus ain't on that cross. He was planted. And as a seed of God, it was planted to germinate. And germinated it did the third day. The stone was rolled out of the way, not for him to get out. He proved that in the testimony. When he come to the upper room, walked through the wall. They were affrighted. That means they are scared. And they thought they were looking at a ghost. He said, do you got any honeycomb? <laughs> got any fish? They said, yes. Gave him some. He ate some honeycomb and eat some fish. And said, I'll meet you in Galilee. And turned around and walked back through the wall and didn't smear nothing on the paneling. And he proved, I'm not a ghost. Well, what is he? He's still fully God and fully man. Glorified man. <laughs> I said a glorified man. Sitting at the right hand of his father in heaven. You know, if we go to talking about visitations of God, you always have somebody somewhere in the church. Maybe I ought not to say this. Anytime Sister Talbert does this, I mean we fix it to hit a brick wall. What do I do when she does this? I don't look at her. <laughs> It seems that super spiritual people are always being visited by Jesus. And he tells him all kinds of stuff about you. Uh, yeah, said the Lord stood by. That's what a lady told me. He said, God, been, Jesus been standing by my bed and told me all kinds of things about you, preacher. I said, that's good. Did he finish the conversation, talk about adultery that you are committing? And you would have thought I spilled hot water in her face. And all I was doing was repeating gossip. God didn't tell me she was committing adultery. Three women and at least four or five men in the church had already filled me in on her. <laughs> uh, 
I'm, I'm really getting down, down to where Sinners is living now <laughs> at La Harbor. <laughs> I'm not saying Jesus does not visit. When I laid dying from being poisoned purposely, I don't know if it was decon or rat poison or what it was. Fell out in the pulpit on the stage, 11 o'clock at night. And my preachers didn't have enough faith to pray me through. So they loaded me in the back of a Jeep and hauled me down the road to a Chinese-run hotel and carried me up three flights of stairs and put me in a bed and left me. You know, it's bad enough to die at home, bad enough to die anywhere. But if you're going to die, oh, Lord, don't let me be in a third-world country in a hotel. Somewhere in the wee hours of the night, somebody walked in. Walked around me, I'd fell out of bed laying on the floor. Walked around, come up behind me. Reached down and put his arms under my arms. Picked me up. Whoever it was didn't have no problem with 250 pounds. Laid me back in the bed, pulled the cover up, a sheet up. And he sat down on the end of my bed and said, David, son, I know where you are. I marked the path you took when you chose to obey me. Said your text will be in the morning out of the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and forever. What am I saying to you? There is a memorial established by God on the broad highway of Jesus standing saying, Why will you die? We had four services a day. I was preaching all four of them. I arrived back to Benalonaton in the Pongasingai Providence. I know you know right where it's at. I rented a little motorcycle with a driver. I gave him the address where the gospel tent was set up. He said, I know right where it's at. And he did. When I got there, the preacher that had carried me to the hotel and left me was up announcing that I had decided to go home. For some reason, he acted like he swallowed his tongue and I cut his throat. He went pale. Looked like to me, if God's going to do something and do it in this church, Instead of producing 
animosity, it'll produce genuine praise. I walked up on that platform. He had just finished announcing, I've decided to go home. I left. I never addressed that preacher at all. Never said a word. I walked to that pulpit and said, the text will be Hebrews 11. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forget about all the slander. Forget about all the talk. Forget about it. Don't let it affect you. Well, you don't know what they're saying about me. So what? Just a month ago, I was sitting in the parking lot of a Target department store. I was not in the store. I wasn't aware of boycotts and all this going on. And we made a funny about women's pocketbooks. And I posted it. Only mistake I made was mentioning that I was at Target's. You'd have thought I crucified the Lord afresh. I don't know if you folks in California is caught up with all these boycotts and going on by sanctified holy people. As ugly as midnight. That's not going to win anybody. You just won't give me one example of a boycott in the Word of God led by Jesus. Just one. I'm not saying what they're boycotting. It probably needs to be boycotting. So now, because of what happened, I just smile when I'm in the company of them. And they think I'm one of them. He's a boycotter. <laughs> Hit another one of them potholes. All I said was looking at the women going into Target. If you take a girl that's 18, 20 years old, you never see them toting a pocketbook. And me and Judy there, we, she's agreeing with me. She gets to be about 30, 35. She starts toting one around her arm, little bitty thing. She gets on up about 50. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You take elderly saints going into a department store they almost got to have a wheelbarrow to push their pocketbook. <laughs> and the intent of the post was simply that, to bring enlightenment, a smile on the faces of people. And I looked over at Judy. She done quit smiling. She said, are you saying that I am an old lady? <laughs> I said, you're missing the point. <laughs> Thank God 
that God erected the memorial on the broad highway that leads to destruction for the purpose of changing your route. He don't want you to be lost. God wants you saved. Therefore, he brings a revelation of his love on the broad highway. I was amazed looking back over my short career of sinning. And in that short career, I I was the best. You may have been meaner, I don't know. But I don't think so. You may have went to jail more than I did, but I don't think so. Well, I like the way you're looking. Some of you, some say, well, he don't know me. <laughs> well, praise God, you're born again now. It was on that broad highway. I don't know. I guess you got them here. They build roads. You got roads. They got culverts that go under the road. I'd be dropped off at my house, married, and I couldn't make it to the front door. I would fall down in the ditch and sleep in the culvert. I was a drunk. Somebody said, at least you wasn't a druggie. I said, well, does speed count? (laughs) It passed pills around. They said, that lets you drink a case of beer. I said, give me three or four of them. I pop them and drink on. I mean, a sinner. What am I doing having to sleep in the culvert? I woke up one morning and I had a, I don't know if it'd be a herd of cats. I don't know if they heard. (laughs) But there was a whole bunch of house cats snuggled up to me in a culvert. I'm talking about sinner. I wasn't worth killing. Wife and babies in the house. Wandered paychecks, living in sin, but in the midst of falling in a culvert, so drunk I didn't know where I was, the love of God came by. He spoke to my heart and said, You were not created for this type of lifestyle. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Why don't you get up and go home? Thank God for an empty tomb. Nothing makes Calvary as real as the empty tomb. He's not on the cross. He's at the right hand of the Father. Making intercession for you and I.
I spent so much on this microphone. <laughs> There's one last aspect of the memorial that God erected. It's found in John, not in John, forgive me, in Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. Jesus has come in to Bethany, to Simon's house. And the Bible calls him Simon the leper. But by fact, everybody going into his house tells me he was a leper. I was a sinner. But I've been changed. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are made brand new. And while Jesus is at Simon the leper's house, a woman comes. And the Bible purposely left her nameless. I know the scholars and some of your more astute minds in this house today uh, probably uh, come to the collusion that it's Mary, the sister of Lazarus. I don't know. I just know it was a woman. She came through the crowd, came to where Jesus was, and had a box, an alabaster box. She broke it and poured that precious ointment worth over 300 pence and for you more astute on staying up with the um, finances and such, could probably put that in American dollars. It was a pretty penny. And again, the scripture is silent on the accusation. It said the ac- accusers was disciples. We, we jump forward and we imply it was Judas Iscariot because he kept the bag and we know he had some bad problems. That finally led to his demise. Whether it was him, I don't know. We missed the point of the scripture oftentimes because I believe Satan directs us into a pet peeve. Oh, I like the way y'all shouting. They want to write paperback books on who the disciples were and how much 300 pence is. We miss the subject. She came to Jesus and anointed his head with that precious ointment. The disciples... They begin to fuss. They begin to point out the fact we could have carried that to the marketplace and sold it, and we could have gave it to the poor. Have you ever looked what Jesus said? It's almost in a grieving tone. The poor you have always... I mean, we can go right out that door. There's probably people in here that ain't got two cents in the bank account. We got poor folks right here. 
The poor you have always, but me, Jesus speaking, you don't have always. The earthly ministry is going to come to a close. And this woman hath anointed me prior to my burial. And this shall be told wheresoever the gospel is preached as a memorial. The same word that God used in talking to Moses. Have you got a memorial in heaven? What have you done for Christ? I'm going to pay my tithes as long as I get a tithe receipt for the IRS. Well, the IRS ain't my God. And I'm not against tithe receipts. But that's not the reason you pay tithes or give in an offering. You're doing it as unto the Lord or you're not getting any reward. Whoa. I feel like kind of bouncing around like a ping pong ball on the concrete floor. You say, my memorial is I'm born again. Uh-uh, it's not. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. They ain't nothing better than being born again. But having been born again, you're now a bond servant to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're laboring for Him. What are you doing for Christ? The poor you got always. Humanitarian works you can always be involved therein. What are you doing for Christ? What would happen in this church if every individual and the church collectively woke up to the fact I'm laboring for the cause of Christ. Not for reward, not for anything other than the love of God that constrains me. I'm doing it for Christ because I love Him. Are you doing anything for Christ? Or is there some type of selfish motive? I go to a lot of camp meetings, especially across the south, and they want to take certain big preachers, and I'm not talking about them that eat a lot. I'm <laughs> the mentality of that would qualify all of us being big preachers. <laughs> but they'll say, We've got the brother taking up the altar and say, we got brother so-and-so sitting right here on the front, on the platform. He's give $500, and everybody applaud. Do you know that offends God? 
I said that offends God. He wants to put you on the plaque on the memorial that he established in Exodus chapter 3, verse 15. He wants to place your name there. Here is a man or a woman that gave something to the Lord out of necessity of the love of God that constrains. You know, I don't know how this is going to go over, so get ready, Sister Albert. We're going to have another crash. (laughs) Jesus watched the offering plate being passed around. (laughs) And those that had a little money gave a lot, but there seems to be calling attention to themselves of what they gave. And here's a poor widow woman. All she had was two mites. I don't know how much mites are. Where I'm from, they itch. Thank you, got five poor people in the house with me. (laughs) And Jesus called the attention of the disciples and said, This poor widow hath given more than them all. Think about it. Jesus looking over this church in La Harbor. He looking around. He's looking on the heart. Why have you give what you gave? What is your motive behind it? Is it just out of necessity of being affluent with the church? Everybody else is given. Or is there the real motive in your heart? I do what I do because I love God. I'm committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it. That's all God's looking for, for you and I. The Bible said to one, she hath done what she could. Just do what you can. It's like one fellow come to me and said, if I had a million dollars, I'd pay you my tithes. I said, what about the tithe of that $20 bill you do have? He turned around and walked out mad. I don't think anything happens in church by accident. Some are just waiting for their ship to come in. They're going to lavish everything on the church, whatever. I said, no, the devil's already deceived you and leading you down a pathway of destruction. Be faithful with what you have. Don't worry about what you might have. Just be faithful with what you have. And in so doing, you become part of a memorial 
that God himself erected. Think about it. God raised up a memorial on the backside of Sinai Desert in dealing with Moses. This will be my memorial, God speaking, throughout all your generations. Right in the broad highway that leads to damnation eternal. God raised a memorial. You're saved because of what Christ done. Not any works of the flesh lest you boast. God saved you. Because he reveals thereby his love toward mankind. Well, some of you are getting sleepy. Stand up, would you? I'm through. I only got them, only had five points. It just took a long time for them to all stick. It's all because God loves us. He loves us regardless of the color of our skin. You know, we look around sometimes and uh, the, the more holy folks are offended by certain aspects of the church in dressing. When we went in among the Negritos, <laughs> I had a boy, man, from South Alabama of the altar holiness movement and we went into a village and he got so offended he refused to preach I'm glad because I didn't want to hear him know how <laughs> he got offended because the women in among the Negrito tribes didn't wear tops He wouldn't speak. I said, how are they ever going to get saved if you don't preach the gospel to them? He said, I would never. I said, I, I believe that. You would send them to hell today if God had let you push the cart send them there. I said, what in the world's wrong with you? On top of that, here's these Negrito women. They've been having youngins that says, 13 years old. There isn't nothing a pleasing about the physical characteristics of the Negrito women that's had seven, eight youngins, got one on her hip and one in a statue on her back that can take her breast and flop it over her shoulder and say, take that, son. There ain't nothing to pleasing about that. Nothing attracting to that. Get your eyes sanctified. Get your heart right. Quit looking at where it is outwardly. 
and experience the love of God. You know what we found? I would enter village after village. I would preach two or three days. And every woman in the village that came to the meetings, came to that altar, knelt and prayed, come with a piece of cloth tied around their top. And nobody addressed that issue. Just preach the gospel. Preach the love of God. Preach the fact, come out of the world. Draw nigh unto Christ. The closer you get to Christ, the holier you will be. God, I've done my best. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, the privilege it is for Sister Talbert and I to be invited to this great church in La Harbor, California. Lord, I pray that something I said would touch hearts, lead them to the bleeding side of Calvary. Lord, that they have their sins washed away, their names recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. And Lord, pre-adventure, saints of God sitting in this house today, encourage them, Lord. Let the Spirit of Almighty God settle upon them in unprecedented ways. All to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Heads bowed. I don't know where you're from. I don't know what the conditions of your life. I don't know all the involvements thereof. But one thing I do know, God loves you. You may not have ever experienced the love of man in any depth at all, but here today, you can enter into a covenant with Almighty God and you can live for the Lord Jesus Christ and have a right relationship with Him. The love of God that's shed abroad will penetrate your heart. And God will bring satisfaction to you. I don't know about you. I need more Christ today than I've ever needed Him in my life. I need Him. I need Him more. Can't make it without Him. I am a total failure without Christ. You can come to the front and kneel, stand. You can call on Lord right where you're at. And I assure you, He will hear a heart cry. If you'll call out unto Him, I come to you, Lord Jesus. Be my Savior. Lead me out. Lord, if you could call a man on the backside of a desert, send him back into Egypt, and he come out bringing three million souls with him, then all things are possible if you'll only believe. Respond to him. This altar's open. You can come, pray, rejoice, cry, 
Pour your soul out to God.